When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Next Picture Show listeners. Here's a friendly reminder that if you enjoy the Next Picture Show, you'll really enjoy getting more Next Picture Show by subscribing to our Patreon. You can get our weekly newsletter for $3 a month and unlock bonus episodes for $5 a month. Our latest bonus episode covers The Dropout, who lose excellent limited series about the rise and fall of Theranos founder Elizabeth Holmes. Patrons also get access to ad-free versions of the podcast, but even if you aren't ready to subscribe, you can still follow the Patreon for your Next Picture Show bonus mini-recommendations and Friday feedback posts, where we respond to your thoughts and questions. Those posts are open to the public, and we hope you'll come engage and ask questions. You can find it all at patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. That's patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. Difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. You believe that someone out of the past can enter and take possession of a living being? We may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. Welcome to The Next Picture Show, a movie of the week podcast devoted to a classic film and how it's shaped our thoughts on a recent release. I'm Tosh Robinson, here with... Scott Tobias. And Keith Phelps. Genevieve Kosky is absent from this pairing in this timeline, but in many other timelines, she did join us for this episode. So if you want to hear what she thought about this pairing, just loop back a ways in your own personal time and make different choices until a different version of this podcast appears. For our latest pairing, we're looking at two films that navigate branching timelines and roads taken and not taken in very different ways, and with very different messages about fate, self-determination, and the invisible forces that might shape our lives as much as the choices that we clearly see in front of us. Keith, you want to lay out the two branches in front of us? This week, we're starting with Krzysztof Kieslowski's Blind Chance, a 1987 precursor to our recent Next Picture Show pick, Run the Little Run. Like Tom Tickfer's movie, Kieslowski structures Blind Chance around a life that plays out in three different ways, with a young Polish man radically changing his politics and his life depending on the different ways a specific event unfolds. The film asks some big questions about how much chance determines what we care about, who we love, and what we become. But it also asks them by playing out the 1980s version of a multiverse story. Next week, we'll take up Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert's Everything Everywhere All at Once, a much more 2020s version of the multiverse story starring Michelle Yeoh as a Harriet Laundromat owner who gets a glimpse of all the other directions her life might have taken and more or less uses those universes to activate immense fighting skills that come in handy as a seething evil tries to wipe out every multiverse that's ever existed. We hope you'll choose to stay with us as we navigate these two films. If you make the choice to turn off this podcast and walk away, we really have no idea who you'll end up being in the future, but the results could be disastrous. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Co ci powiedział ojciec, jak umierał? Halo? Witek? Tak? Witek? Tak, tato? Zabierają mnie do szpitala. Chciałem ci powiedzieć, bo możesz nie zdążyć. Nic nie musisz. Czego nie muszę? Niczego. Tato! Miał pan szczęście! Mógł pan nie zdążyć! Boże, mało brakowało. Przedstawię ci też pan długość. Jakby pan czegoś potrzebował, to niech pan się do mnie zwróci. Co to, podanie paszport? Nie, to deklaracja partyjna. Konwicki czytałeś? No i te trzymają stawę trochę od pana. Przecież to jest nielegalne. Słuchaj, dziewczyna też się w to bawi? Pani pozwoli ze mną. Myśli pan, że to przypadek? Zacznijmy od początku. Nie zdążyłem. Gdybym było 5 sekund wcześniej, to... Jak się wstąpi do partii, to się łatwiej żyje. To jest wielkie świństwo, to co oni robią. Zajmował się pan nielegalną literaturą. Organizował pan jakieś zebranie w swoim mieszkaniu. Chcemy wiedzieć, z kim się pan będzie spotykał. Coś mi się za bardzo szczęście stało. To nie zależy tylko od przypadku. Czasami myślę, że tak. 
Watching the films of Polish director Krzysztof Kieslowski in order, you can tell yourself a pretty clear story about the evolving artistic ambitions of a man who fell into film a little accidentally in his student days, and the evolving political ambitions of an artist whose early experiences with censorship and authoritarian government heavily shaped the kinds of stories and characters that interested him. His early documentaries from his 1960s days as a film school student focused on ordinary people, on observing their interactions and listening to them talk about their lives. But once he started focusing on the workers protesting against food shortages and violent repression from the communist government in his documentary Workers 71, he found himself in conflict with that government, which censored the resulting film. Shortly after that, he began to experiment with fictional narratives, but still with an interest in the workers' complaints, the friction and resistance he saw around him, and a social realist approach to telling Polish stories, as he did during his documentary days. As Kieslowski's career progressed, he became more and more ambitious, experimental, and philosophical with his films. The Double Life of Veronique, his 1991 masterpiece starring Irene Jacob in a dual role as a Polish woman and a French woman who appear to be mirror images of each other, possibly sharing the same stole, is one of his most ambitious and memorable single projects. But for much of his life, he produced stories that ranged from practical presentation to similarly dreamy, impressionistic, high-concept storytelling, often in ways that stretched across several movies. His 10-film series, The Decalogue, each of which explores one of the biblical Ten Commandments in a story about Polish life, is the most sprawling example. Internationally, he's better known for his triptych movies Blue, White, and Red, which each take radically different emotional approaches to stories inspired by the colors of the French flag and the ideals of the French motto, liberty, fraternity, equality. His film Blind Chance, completed in 1981 and repressed by the Polish government before being released in censored form in 1987, reads like a Rosetta Stone pulling together all of these threads of his career into one place. Like Worker 71 and his documentary companion piece Curriculum Vitae about the workings of local government, Blind Chance is a story about the government versus the people and the hostility and mistrust on both sides. Like his earliest fictional work, it's partially a social realist piece, a grave and often quiet drama about the ins and outs of party politics, protest politics, religion and belief, and everyday life. Like his later projects, it's a set of interrelated stories. As a young man, Vitek Gulash passes through three different versions of his life, each of which comes out radically differently based on the influences that form him. In all three versions, Vitek has the same childhood and the same intention of becoming a doctor, but the death of his demanding father unmoors him and he drops out of medical school. Running for a train to Warsaw, he either catches it or misses it, and in the process, he encounters different people and circumstances who shape what comes. In one version of his life, he joins the Communist Party and becomes a promising young local politician. In another, he instead meets up with a resistance and an inspiring older woman, and he becomes religious and involved with the Solidarity Movement. In the third, he avoids politics and lives a more sheltered and self-contained family life outside of any of these larger movements. In each of these lives, though, the question of chance comes up. As in the American remake Sliding Doors or the film's German offspring Run Lola Run, some of what shapes Vitek is coincidence, dependent on what other people do and how small things differ from one world to the next. His choices matter, Kielzlowski suggests, but not perhaps as much as he might like them to matter. There are similarities in all three of these paths, but surprisingly, Vitek's own personality might not be the primary thread uniting them. It's not that he's biddable and willing to go along with whatever's in front of him exactly, but this branch in his life comes at a time when he's obviously vulnerable and at sea, looking for a new father figure to replace his own lost father and willing to take in whatever the universe offers him, or perhaps whatever the multiverse offers him. Blind Chance is as much a religious and philosophical exploration as a narrative one. It invites viewers to consider how different would our lives have been if one thing had come out differently? Maybe not even something that seemed like a radical branch point when it happened. The parting of ways in this story isn't about whether Vitek chooses to rush home to his father in the hospital and see him before he dies, or whether he chooses to leave medical school afterward. It's about whether he catches a given train and the interactions he has immediately before and after that moment. It's as though every moment we live through offers us choices, Kieslowski suggests, but every moment also makes choices for us. Sussing out which of those is which, which is important, is a major question. So is deciding who we are through any of the possible chances and choices and changes we face. Blind Chance may not have the answers, but it invites us to choose to seriously ask the questions and accept everything that might follow from that choice. Jaki? 
byla mu matky. I co? Nic. Byłam na grobie, mam grób, wiesz? Wiem. Wszyscy mają. Ja nie miałam dotąd żadnego. Byłam znikąd. Pewnie nawet nie rozumiesz, co znaczy być znikąd, prawda? Ej, coś chyba sobie wymyśliłaś. Nie. Okay, guys, we we have to start with the opening shot. <laughs> I had not seen this film before Scott recommended it as a, a possible pairing for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And the opening shot, which zooms into Vitek's mouth as he's screaming before you have any idea who this person is, <laughs> made me think, oh, wow, is this going to be as as radically ambitious as Everywhere, Everything All at Once? It takes until the end of the movie before you understand what that first shot is. But why do you think Kieslowski chooses to start there in that moment? I don't really have an answer to that, but my reaction was was I thought maybe I was watching the wrong film because this <laughs> is my first time with this one as well. And, and I love Kieslowski's ex, uh, later work, but it also, you know, I had a certain expectations of what a Kieslowski film was going to do. And I think it kind of settles into, you know, a more, a more recognizable style. But, but you know, I was, I was very thrown by that. Well, I mean, in terms of why he chooses it, I guess, I guess, you know, it is a mystery that's not solved until the final shot, right? Yeah, we're kind of given some pieces, some little fractures of his life, uh, images that images of the beginning, not just that shot, but other images of a hospital floor streaked with blood, et cetera, that, that do kind of are just more suggestive, kind of throw you off balance a little bit uh, before kind of situating you in a, in a particular time and, and place. You know, and, and these are, I guess, major, you know, we come to learn anyway that major moments in, in his life. Um, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and say a spoiler alert. I mean, in terms of what happens to him at the end of the movie, uh, he has reason to be upset at that moment. And then, um, you know, and then the hospital <laughs> about, I guess that's the what of his moment of his birth, I believe. And, and, and there's a certain amount of distress and violence that's associated with that, too. I mean, it's an interesting... If I understand correctly, it's a protest that happened right before his birth that was oh, right. put down Within in a, a bloody, violent way. Yeah. And then... It was a workers' revolt, yeah. Sure. Okay, that makes sense, because the literal hospital floor is literally streaked, like someone, someone's been dragged across it. Yeah. Would you actually see somebody dragged across it? Yeah. And then as a result of uh, of what happened there through details that were not entirely given, uh, his mother dies in childbirth. And so does his twin brother, which suggests a whole nother series of, uh, you know, branching possibilities for this reality that we don't really touch on. Yeah. I mean, I was I was pleased that 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 it branches out from the specific place that it does. Right. Because you think about what are the inflection points in a person's life? What what are the moments? What what are the what's the age? I guess in which someone is I guess malleable enough as a person to be able to change and to be able to to go on one radically different direction or another. And what would be the context for that? Which which I think Kieslowski takes his time establishing well, which has to do with the relationship that Witek has with his dad, with his time in in medical school, which is something. He doesn't necessarily want to, to do it's something his father wants for him and now with his father gone he has something a pro, something like freedom for his life to go in whatever direction it's going to go in and when you're when you're in your 20s and you're not settled down with anybody you've got no you have no anchor you don't have a parent as an anchor you, he, he doesn't you know have a, a girlfriend at least in you know the first well in any case he, he's got nothing grounding him at that moment at the train station so that is the point where where all bets are off, where all destinies are open, and I think it's kind of a you know a, a, a kind of great place for this movie to start or continue, I guess, because it does establish <laughs> a little bit at the beginning. Mostly, to what I end up wondering in opening with that scream is whether whether we're meant to think he has any kind of awareness of his other lives, the other possibilities. Like he seems to have an awareness of what is about to happen in the final shot of the film. We, mm. we have no idea what goes wrong with the plane that he's on, which explodes dramatically in that particular timeline, which seems like a, a very odd way to end that story. Just the fact that we, we don't exactly know what happened there. But it does seem like he, ha he has some awareness that it's coming. He sees something or experiences something that lets him realize he and everybody on board are about to die. And I just, I wonder if being Kozlowski in particular, is this, does he experience some kind of apotheosis or does he just see somebody stand up with a bomb? What, what happens? Yeah, it's hard to tell. Like I found in terms of sorting the film out, 
uh, particularly in finding the Polish historical context, there's a bonus feature in the Criterion channel where uh, the Polish film critic uh, Tadeusz Sabaluski uh, talks about it. And he speaks quite definitively, you know, I, I'm not sure I agree, but quite definitively as that being the true timeline. And the other two being illusions. So no matter what, this is, you know, he is, he dies in the plane. And the other uh, possibilities were perhaps just imagined or possibly, possibly maybe even imagined in that moment of death, kind of last temptation of Christ style, which I find kind of interesting reading of the film. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, though. What do you, what do you guys think? I would love to hear his uh, rationale or, or evidence for that, because t- to me, the interesting story here is Vitek's possibilities mm-hmm. and how they arise. The the interesting part, I don't see this as a film to be decoded exactly in terms of this is real and this is false any more than one of the women in Double Life of Veronique is meant to be dismissed as like the fake, fake version of the life versus the real version of the life. You know, it's it's the parallelism that's interesting. It's the two stories that's interesting in those that movie, not here's the fake one and here's the real one. Yeah, and I, and I don't really love the idea of him having any real say even in imagining these other two destinies for himself i feel like that's something the universe is 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 doing or does to everyone um is is sets them on you know a certain path and 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 you you know you get put around certain situations around different people and and that can kind of uh, you know take you into completely opposing you know paths i mean he's he's a communist in one and anti-communist and you know and a radical anti-communist radical in the other and you know and he's still you know the same guy so how, how does that how does that happen and i think that that's um a strong observation about human nature about our almost situational morality i guess our situational you know i guess cultural and political leanings i mean you, you're exposed to a certain set of ideas or a certain influential person or you know a youtuber or whatever <laughs> and, and and you're and you're taken and you're taken down influenced a, a by an influencer the scott yeah, I mean, just somebody story. like that you know but i mean it can be that way and it's it, and you, it, it can be you know we, we certainly know it now is, is something that can be pretty scary the way the way that you know that that can kind of shape a young a young mind to kind of to kind of be led down this path this algorithmic path that kind of leads you leads you leads a you know a, a perfectly normal average person into you know perhaps a more radical destiny than 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 um you you might expect and i mean this is i, I don't want to you know co- <laughs> you know it'd be Kieslowski wasn't making blind chance about the year 2022 but but you, your your mind does go there in terms of just the way you know certain historical contexts can shape a person's thinking and, and, and what they end up doing with the, their lives. Yeah, I think part of what makes this movie a little distressing is this is something we can imagine happening to other people, but not to us. Yeah, and to be put in the in the in the skin of this protagonist, uh, you know, very you know, staying very closely to him, who for all you know we see as 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 a bright, thoughtful person and not just sort of a two-dimensional character yeah it is it is an uncomfortable thing to to sit with that you know per the idea that blind chance has a huge influence on 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 who we become well i didn't have much opportunity to look into like contemporaneous response to this film but i can't help but wonder what whether there was as much resistance to that idea like with the, the first people that saw this movie in the 1980s, as there would be today if you made a version of this where the same person becomes uh, like a hardcore dyed in the wool, like MAGA, MAGA hat wearing Republican or a hardcore like AOC loving Democrat, just sort of based on whether they catch a given bus. Like, I feel like we've become to a place of like political partisanship where people would rebel against that idea. But this was also a very partisan and and friction heavy time in a country's political history. And I wonder if people at that time had the same sort of like, no, these are the right ideals. Like, how are you implying that he could have had the opposite ideals based on catching a train? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, it met with a huge amount of resistance, given that it took six years um, for it to to see the light of day and even even when it did it did so in a in a censored i think you know i mean you could read 
every part of the film or at least the you know every part that's engaged in this is is kind of a as an anti-communist film it is i i, I would say i would say i don't see i don't really see any other reading and 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 i i guess that would be you know where kieslowski got himself into uh trouble with the with the censors yeah i mean i don't i don't go to me for all kinds of you know deep detail about it but it was you know you know if you look at the if you watch the the bonus features on on the criterion channel you know it makes clear that it was made in a very small window when solidarity kind of opened up some possibilities in, in polish culture that were then pretty much sh- uh shut down uh within within a year at the same time, I mean, both of his political careers on, on both ends end with him disillusioned and abandoned and, and betrayed by the people who he threw in with and, and believed in in some ways. And he seems possibly happier and more himself in the timeline where he just sets aside all politics. Like, is there, it, this may be anti-communist, but I, I think that there are anti-solidarity messages in here as well. I think mm. in some ways there are almost just like anti, anti-politics, anti-joining messages here. Do, I almost you, felt like the reverse though. I just felt like the end of the, the last third is, is, is would not be Kieslowski's preferred <laughs> destiny for, a, for, for a person like an apolitical, you know, uh, you know, somebody who's who's not engaged in these things. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I, I f- f- always felt like, felt like a film kind of leaned against that more than, you know, mm. than for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure there's a, a, a single political message here. I, I think there is, you know, I, I, I don't want to see it just sort of both sides isms, but but there is no I don't think there's an ideal outcome anyway and one you know you end up disillusioned and betrayed or you end up being kind of a you know wishy-washy non-committal person who you know makes no change in the world it's uh it's a tough and it's, it's a tough exploded reading. it's <laughs> and is it is exploded and, and yeah yeah while flying to libya which i there's a history there's probably some history there i don't i don't understand so i i, I won't you know i can't i can't speak to that but it, it doesn't seem like an accidental choice of destination either well, there's something I very much wanted to get into with this movie. I watched this movie over the course of of many hours because I kept stopping to look things up. I know uh, Scott in particular, this is not your I actually both of you, this is not your preferred way to watch a movie, but I kept having questions like like big political questions about what this or that was meant to mean or or signify. And there was just so much of the movie that I felt like I would not be able to parse if I didn't know more about not only the solidarity movement and the the particular form of Polish communism at, at this point in time, but ultimately, like exactly what the year 77 signified in terms of like that branching opportunity that Keith's laying out. Like, how much of the story do you feel is like, a universal story about about humanity and choice and how much of it is like a story about a particular country and a particular moment and the choices that were being made like then and there so before we get into that can i talk about can i talk about how i saw this film just uh, just a brief aside a little a little a little uh uh you know a sideline timeline here <laughs> uh so you're right tasha i prefer to sit down turn out the lights put my phone away watch a movie in one sitting but that's not always possible uh, I, I did not plan well in terms of seeing this movie in times of, of watching it. So I uh, watched the first hour of it, you know, at home. And then I had to catch a flight. And I thought, you know what? I'll just finish this on the plane. <laughs> so I ended up finishing watching most of it at the airport, kind of hunched over because there's actually a lot of sex in the in the last stretch of this movie. And then as I like, I like, okay, I can just finish up here. On the runway, I'll watch the end of this movie. Oh, wow. And as we were taxiing, I watched the end of this movie. And that is how I saw the film Blind Chance. Wow. And I got kind, kind of mad at Scott, frankly. Uh, not that he could predict this, but but he was the one who put me in this position. Me. Did you, and then and uh, then did you suddenly scream hysterically uh, like on yes. the plane going on the runway? Yes, as as yeah. uh, you know, as and the then, camera you, zoomed in uh, on my tonsils, and then you had also downloaded the film Fearless to watch on the plane as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but no, anyway, uh, I'll let Scott answer that question first. It's a re- it's a really good question. Yeah. So to get around to this question, um, I, I did w- uh, watch it again all in <laughs> one sitting. Like, 
And I would say that it really does resonate to me as a universal story that's informed by specific detail. And so, and so while I, I certainly cannot claim to, you know, have a grasp on, you know, the very, the very particular references and, in, 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 you know, historical and political context that Kieslowski is working with here, you know, I can recognize this as, as, I can recognize it as universal in terms of the way destinies are, are shaped, the way chance works. And, and the thing I really appreciated about the whole chance part of it is that when we think about chance, you know, it, it often has to do with, well, you know, we catch this train and and uh, and this thing happens. This, this you know, Our life goes in this direction or that direction. But what, we, but what this film has to do is, is, talk, is think about like what, where a person goes, where, where a person's mind, uh, mind goes, where, where, how, how, how chance actually affects, you know, the, the, how the same person can be just in a different situation and make it and make a totally different set of choices. And, and uh, it makes you wonder, wonder, of course, about how much control you have over your, your life about, about how much, how many of your, the choices that you do make are, you know, how much your morality is, is, uh, can be situational how much your politics are are influenced by by those in your in your sphere and, and the inputs that you that you take in you know it's just it's fascinating to me because i feel like it's a it's not just kind of a a clever little film about where your life could go it's 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 really about how all of us are are, are, are shaped in the and uh and how how very different we could we could be uh depending on you know wh- where the train does or does not take us I mean, I agree about that in the sense that, like, I think that this is a structure that could support just about any time and place that could be told about, like, any people in in any circumstance. But at the same time, I also see it as potentially, especially just knowing Kieslowski's interests and and the way he told stories, it does also just feel like a big metaphor for, like, the country as is at the precipice of a choice and there are different directions it could go in. And uh, like to me, this is, as his films often tended to be, like both a big story about humanity and maybe a smaller story about his native country and the decisions that were being made there. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think, you, you know, the universality of it can be seen in how much it's been ripped off, right? I mean, <laughs> it, it is it's just used, um, you know, this, this framework has been used for you know, sliding doors and run, little run, and then you know, countless episodes of, of television shows. But I also feel like it was—it's kind of prescient in that, you know, we'll get into everything, everywhere, all at once. But this is a very, you know, basic idea of a, a basic version of an idea that would get picked up by by physics and and, and theoreticians and things like that. Uh, whereas I think here he's just telling a story. But but I do think you know I, there is a specificity to it in this in the sense that it it is you know those events we see early on. Uh, in our protagonist's life are all important. You know, his friend who leaves, who doesn't understand why he leaves, uh, is, you know, we find out later, um, you know, the, the autopsy he witnesses, which was that a real autopsy? It looked, it looked real to me. I don't think you could possibly have faked that in on that budget Mm. in that day and age. It would have been so much easier to access a medical school and, and a corpse. That's nightmare fuel. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, (laughs) but, but yes, I, I think Tasha, I think, I think you're right. I think it is, you know, I think the more you dig into the specifics of this, it is the richer it becomes and the more it becomes about one guy's uh, life. But that's as as a story of a life, it also works really well. Well, as always, when somebody tells me I'm right, I like to take a little pause to just kind of bask in it. Mm-hmm. And we need to take a break anyway. So given that uh, given what you just said about how it just gets richer, the deeper you dive into the details, we're going to take a short break and then come back and uh, dive into some of those details. Here's one of the big questions of the movie for me, one one of the big specific questions as opposed to the big cosmic questions. His father's last words conveyed to him are, you don't have to, 
and with the implication that it, there's kind of an ellipsis there. You don't have to something that his father wasn't able to finish. And different people have interpreted it as you don't have to go to medical school after all. Or it could be something as small as like, you don't have to come here and see me. I'm doing fine, which, of course, his father is wrong about. But other people have taken it as kind of a big cosmic like you don't have to do what they tell you or you don't have to make the same choices all the time or you don't have to do anything. What what, what do you make of like the open endedness of the question and how that ends up being sort of a theme for the movie? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have taken it, you know, maybe partially in reference to medical school, but but also that's a sense of obligation, not only to his father, but but to society and what and what is expected of Viteg to do right i mean he he has a he ha, he at this point in his life has the opportunity to explore a, a little bit and also to kind of think for himself and not be tethered to one philosophy or or, or one <laughs> you know political notion or another he can kind of move around or or one beautiful sad woman uh, versus all the other beautiful sad <laughs> yeah, women there are many aren't there I mean, it's uh, it's possible that it's just very hard to live in uh, Poland, possibly as a woman, or maybe just in general. Certainly, the like the older people we see also seem very sad. Some of the functionaries very sad. It's just there's yeah. not a whole lot of non sadness. Uh, though I will say, I mean, I I think that the communist in the first section, or just the picture of communism, is not young and on the rise. <laughs> really in this film it's very much like this is kind of where things are going and and they're kind of it's this is this aging decrepit once upon a time robust man is is uh getting older and, and everything and all of that is kind of fe feeling like it's you know just kind of clinging to the end the pep speech she gives about how you will inevitably be disillusioned and, and bitter uh when you're my age is not it's not really a, a great recruitment tool i don't think yeah, it seems to be uh, applicable, though, regardless of uh, of what path he chooses, unless he chooses a path that leads him to not make it to a ripe old age. You you mentioned kind of the the choices that he makes, the open mindedness that he has, and I'm I'm sort of curious, like what you see is. I guess, consistent about him from iteration to iteration. Like I mentioned that idea that he's at sea with his father's death and like he's looking for a new father figure. But there were times when I had a hard time seeing the same person in these three iterations because mm. like the version of him who obsessively like sits down with his lover and both of them naked and like, openly weeps over the other people that she's had sex with while still forcing her against her will to tell him about about that it's a little hard for me to reconcile with kind of the the soft open-ended boy who talks uh quietly to jesus about how all he wants out of jesus is for him to exist and like i'll never ask you for anything else again but you know could you please just exist like these are two very different iterations of the same seeker after the truth and i just i guess i wonder what you see as sort of the consistent personality of uh of Viteg through his his three lives here i think one thing is he he tends to go all in uh, he he he's a lost person who finds what he's you know thinks he finds what he's looking for in each one and commits to it until you know until that turns against him. But he is you know perfectly happy being the good communist and and being the good uh, you know, anti-communist radical uh, or just being uh, the good husband and father uh, until you know the, he pushes those things as far as he can take them. Yeah, I'm reminded. I wonder if Kieslowski at this point, he surely had seen The Conformist, right, by by Bertolucci. I mean, it, it seemed like a lot of similarities between mm -hmm. those two characters of, of young men who are very impressionable and, you know, in, in both cases, kind of passive, right? I mean, they, you know, this is I think we can see Vitega as somebody who. You know, maybe he he takes some chances. Maybe he he seems enthusiastic, but he's very impressionable. Like he 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 can be manipulated. He can be you know he doesn't. He's not sure of himself, and and uh, that that kind of allows him to be tossed in these different directions depending on which one which you know a destiny uh, we're in. 
I wonder what you make of his relationship to the the three different women that he experiences in his three different timelines. Because I, again, I feel that his relationship with them is very different. That he he comes across as like a different kind of lover, and I don't find that to be an inconsistency so much as it's reflective of the way the person that we we choose as our partner, the way the person that we date or the person we marry brings out different aspects of us, like based on their own personality. But these these are three very different relationships that he ends up in. I mean, it seems like in every case, the women are more are more certain of who they are than than, than he is, right? I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, it, it almost, it, it almost, it's almost consistent with all of the people that that he he meets he's the one who's kind of that that kind of leaf that's drifting around in the in in the wind and they're the wind (laughs) you know they're they're the ones who are kind of exerting their personalities and their influence and on him and and affecting his behavior that might explain why he is the way he is in that first timeline that you referenced which doesn't even consistent where he's he's jealous and and pushy It, it it could just you know he's with the most brittle and uh, unhappy of, of the three women, uh, Ziska, uh, in in that timeline. So it could be a comment on that. I, you know, he certainly falls in the third timeline. Falls into a very pleasant domestic blissfulness with a woman who seems, you know, to support that. It it is it, it is. I think that's an interesting aspect. I do. I never really thought the character was inconsistent. They always felt like the same character to me, but the behavior was quite different in each timeline. I feel like his relationship with uh, Zushka in the first timeline can also be explained to some degree by the fact that like they kind of describe each other as their first loves. You know, they mm. have a, a like a connection going back to early days. And it seems like somebody that he meets as an adult and sees only as an adult, he can have a relationship with her just you know in the moment without being obsessed with her past but somebody that he kind of feels like he separated from and maybe if he hadn't she wouldn't have ever been with anybody else she wouldn't have ever had any of the memories she had maybe that's a just a place where he's seeing a different way that their path could have gone which is not something apart from the little side conversations that crop up in these stories about chance which I find it very interesting that in in one case, he's the one being told like, oh, the fact that we're here is just a, a coincidence of timing and he denies it. And in another one, he brings it up himself and uh, ascribes things to chance. But in, yeah, in the case of his relationship with her, like, first of all, I found that relationship very creepy. But second of all, it mm. seemed like it was just him thinking maybe about what could have been uh, and how he would have been different for it in a way that maybe doesn't come up as much in the other timelines. I guess it kind of brings us to to another another question about Viteg, our, our, our protagonist, is, is do, we, do we like him? Do we find him sympathetic? I'll say I most I, I do. I don't always like what he does, but he I think the film is really good about uh, putting us, you know, making us see the world from his point of view, however different those worlds are from 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 vision to vision, that that it's hard not to feel for him. I don't know that I like I love him as a character as a a protagonist that I feel strongly with him at every step of the journey just because those journeys are so different. He feels a little wishy-washy to me. He feels a little needy in some places and a little controlling in others. But there are absolutely moments where just his his innate I want to say goodness and that's maybe a little hard to take, I mean, given the kind of the precipitating incident is like running through a, a train station, knocking people over, causing an old lady to lose her money, like knocking the beer out of somebody's hand, slamming into a train conductor, like all of these things kind of speak to a selfishness. He says which sorry is, sometimes. He says sorry sometimes. He's a, a very youthful character. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's he's grieving. You know, he's he's in the moment of some of the greatest pain of his life. So there's there's all sorts of excuses for some of his his worst behavior. But some of his best behavior, like I just I I come back more than anything to the the first sequence and him going to the asylum among the drug users. His, he like he he actually tried to help one of them 
escape his minders on the train just out of a, a feeling of fellow feeling of, of not wanting to see somebody in captivity. And then he takes up the charge to go break up this protest, seemingly just because he's he's doing what he's told. But once he gets there, he very clearly like empathizes with the the drug addicts and empathizes with what they've been through, but also still cares about the lives of the the doctors and the orderlies. And when he sees an opportunity to save their lives, he acts on it. When he sees that his actions may result in the death of the drug addicts, he rushes back into captivity and and potentially towards his own death. And that moment in the cage where the the addict splashes fluid all over the place and, and goes to light it on fire and he thinks it's gasoline and he thinks he's about to die in agony. Like it's very hard to not empathize with that moment and and empathize with the protagonist who chose that moment over his own escape because he was trying to help people, you know? He, he throws some punches, too. Uh, righteous, Some righteous punches get thrown in this, right? <laughs> well, he, he certainly wails on that train conductor. No, uh, no, no. In the, in the office, the, um, <laughs> against the, um, isn't that the first sequence uh, with, with the, uh, Mm-hmm. Where, 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 where Juska gets gets detained and he come is that is that right? Is the first sequence where he he comes back and and that's right and uh, slugs uh, the functionary. Yeah, um, hit thought, Adam, his yeah, handler. Yeah, so I mean that, that that shows a little bit of you know so so maybe in that sense you know he's not quite as passive as maybe I, I seem to suggest that, that that he was maybe he you know he he maybe when he gets himself in these situations starts to get a a, a sense of what's happening what and what he feels is is you know right and wrong he he um he's capable of taking action and he's also capable of just being a flawed person of just not uh, of not realizing you know I, I don't think he really realizes what he's done to Zhushka until it happens you know in terms of uh, you know in terms of kind of <laughs> making her life a lot worse you know th- that that was just seems like a like an error uh, on his part which again, that's a human thing too to make to make mistakes. Yeah, and I can't fully parse out why that happens. If it's just complete thoughtlessness on his part that leads him to expose the fact that his girlfriend is involved in these illegal underground activities that can get her detained and possibly tortured and murdered, or he just he's going he's you know conversing with his friend Adam in a very like well of course we can all get along kind of way like. Both of those responses are pretty naive and, you know, it's it's an issue that he's so naive in a, a country and a time where that can get you killed by the government. Yeah, I don't think he really realizes it takes him that stretch to really realize what he's gotten himself into. Right. I mean, like like he uh, and, and uh, part, part of that is being as naive as he is. I mean, that's that's what we do as as people. We we. Uh, uh, and when we're young, we we have to learn things, and and uh, you know sometimes we learn things the hard way, and sometimes uh, people who we don't want to get hurt end up lear- learning things the hard way because we screwed up. <laughs> so again, in that sense, uh, uh, very human. I feel like one of the important things to note here is that the story isn't just about his choices and how they change things. Much like in Run Lola Run, where one of the you know, plot arcs is heavily influenced by what the, what a dog in Lola's apartment building does. It seems here like exactly how the train conductor responds, like where he is in a given moment, how he acts, uh, where the drunk with the giant beer is and exactly how he reacts. Like these things shape whether he makes the train. The question of like who is who shows up where uh, in these timelines is very different. How much do you think Kislovsky is saying here about it isn't just the choices we make. It isn't just, you know, fate leading us in one direction. It's just, I mean, as the title says, blind chance. It's the butterfly effect before the butterfly effect had been coined as a term, you know, Uh, the, you know, whether or not that guy gets his, his, you know, coin to buy the beer changes everything. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, I think he's given you a lot of different, things to think about in terms of chance i mean and there there is something as simple as blind chance of of knocking into somebody of not making a train of being at the, the wrong place at the wrong time or the right place at the right time all of the, the all of that stuff and then there are just situations that present themselves and that uh, vitek and all of us have to kind of think our ways uh, through those situations one thing i was thinking about too and this surely 
had to be an influence on Kieslowski was is his countryman uh, um, Vida, um, uh, Andres Vida. Particularly, the, he, there's this movie that that Vida did, like that was like like a three hour film. I like to say called um, Man of Marble, and Man of Marble it was made in 1977. Is a movie about so much of this in the sense that it's about how um, people are, are are rendered almost helpless by the forces of history. I mean, Man of Marble is about this uh, young filmmaker woman, as it happens, uh, who's like a film student who is um, who decides to make uh, to figure out what happened to this bricklayer who, in the fifties, was this propaganda figure uh was a, a hero a man of marble as the title implies and then and then was rendered obscure as he fell out of favor and as as the historical wind started to shift and i and I, I just feel like that kind of that's kind of in the air in a movie like blind chance of of, of people only being able to exert so much control over you know very powerful political and historical forces that sort of kick them around. I certainly think that's true, especially given that all three of these arcs end. In the first case, he can't take the trip that he wanted to take because the protests are going on. In the second, he can't take the trip because of his own politics. But we we still see that the protests are kicking in and with the implication that everything's going to change. And then in the third one, he he dies for reasons completely outside of his control and seemingly completely outside of his choices, but again, while while making a trip. So in all three cases, we're kind of back to his fate being determined by a mode of transport that he makes or doesn't make, that he gets on or doesn't get on. Well, specifically an attempt to leave uh, yeah, Poland. Exactly. Which, which uh, is, is Poland becomes kind of, kind of a trap in some ways. And in two cases, it continues to trap him for better or for worse and in one case it doesn't like distinctly for worse so i guess i just i wondered i certainly wondered watching the first arc for the first time just like why are we stopping the story here it just seemed like you know his exasperation over not being able to like go to france just seemed like a very weird place for what seemed like a big cosmic story about choices to end on but i guess it it ends up with a lot more shape once you see all of the uh, the pieces put in place which i guess is very kislowski in general yeah it's tidy but not not tidy at the same time i mean even look at the structure of this movie overall is a little deliberately oblong because i mean because you you're not just immediately thrown into three timelines of equal length you know you get you get a lot of the beginning and then the first segment the first of the three is the longest of the three and it's it's all you know i think i think he's a he, he he's um you know I, I allows things to be a little bit looser in terms of where he goes but I, i'm not sure yeah I, I can't really it doesn't feel arbitrary i guess where he ends up cutting out of like that first segment to me but i can't really explain why that's that's the moment well, let's just say everyone ends with a, a trip that doesn't happen, a trip to, to Paris specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah. It still feels kind of arbitrary to me until, like, as I say, you see the whole thing and the full picture comes into effect. Yeah, but, I, I mean, that's that, true. That's very par for the course for Kieslowski's later career where he kept telling these stories that, you know, a film would tell a story, but you couldn't really see the impact of the the overall plan until you'd seen, you know, both a short film about love and a short film about death or until you'd seen a bunch of the Decalogue movies or until you'd seen Red, White and Blue, which each tell very distinctive stories, but in a way that that's both meant to rhyme and in the case of red kind of all comes together at the end with uh you know the, the characters resurfacing in one place which yeah. is something we also get to see here so i guess just kind of to close out like are there other ways in which you feel this film reflects kieslowski's like storytelling interests political interests uh filmmaking interests as i said at the beginning it kind of feels like a, a rosetta stone that just like piles up a whole lot of the things he's interested in in one place sometimes in more nascent forms than others yeah it does and it's and i mean the cool thing about kieslowski's career is that it really is an evolution i mean you really see i bet you could watch his films 
in any random order, at least if you were to group the, say, the colors trilogy together anyway, you watch them in any random order and, and be able to then lay out exactly when they were made in, you know, in progression. I think there's there, there's such a an arc to his career. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you talked about, I haven't seen any of those more, those documentaries or more documentary-like movies but but blind chance has has that kind of look to them i mean his later films uh double life veronique the the the, the, the colors trilogy are quite the you know, the, the color the use of color is obviously quite striking in those but then these these you know uh, these themes are present all along i just think the way he um go, presents them is is um evolves over over time and and i really like the music too is such a that's another element of this movie with the you know he uses the the score really sparingly i think just really you only really hear it during the train sequences that before uh, but the, the, it's so good it's such a good score and i think that's his composer later on too right is it uh, it's, it's volchek Kilar, who I don't think is his composer for the Three Colors films. No, that's that's the you know, Procknell, I believe. Oh, right? okay, so, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm pronouncing all those horribly, but but yeah. Right. Though he, oh, the, though the composer of this of this film, I knew I recognized the name. Uh, did the score for Bob Stoker's Dracula? Oh wow, which is, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. <laughs> Another really cool score. Uh, so uh, music was was uh, you know an important, really important part of you know, the three colors trilogy blue, especially, but uh, you could see the some of the roots of that here too. Well, there's a lot more to talk about in terms of blind chances, big messages about uh, religion, philosophy, chance, choice, love, the future, the past, how all of these things fit together. But we're going to have to consider those next time. Uh, for the moment, would love to hear your thoughts on Blind Chance and Krzysztof Koslowski uh, and anything else in the world of film that you'd like to discuss. Email us at comments at nextpictureshow.net if you want to share any responses with us and with other listeners. And we'll be back in a minute with a preview of our next episode. That's it for this episode of The Next Picture Show. In our next episode, we're going to compare Blind Chance with Daniel Scheinert and Daniel Kwan's Everything Everywhere All at Once, which starts with a similar idea about chance and choice shaping our lives into a wide variety of radically different stories, then blows it all out into a martial arts special effects spectacular crammed with alternating silly and serious ideas in a remarkably unique way that takes an immense amount of unpacking after the fact. After a slow rollout, that film is currently in theaters nationwide. Look for that episode next Tuesday on your podcatcher of choice. For ad-free versions of the podcast and for extra content, including letters from other listeners and our responses, find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nextpictureshow. We're eager to answer your feedback on Feedback Friday. We recently talked about Steven Spielberg's voice as a filmmaker in AI, Chloe Zhao's voice as a filmmaker in Marvel's Eternals, and the downside of packing filmmakers into tight little pigeonholes based on their past work. You can find us at nextpictureshow.net and on Twitter at nextpicturepod if you want to keep track of when new episodes drop. Until next week, have you ever thought about a career writing protest songs? It seems to be a worthwhile skill to have in every multiverse. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife.